This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, family of God. So good to be back with you again. Let me remind you, please take vacation and join us the whole week of celebration. You will not regret it. It'll change your life forever. We haven't had celebration for three years. This is going to be amazing. All right, here we go. This is part two in our series, The Heavenly Father Loves His Children. We have been born into the great eternal family of love. Our Father God is a love father. We have been born again out of love. We are born again of the Father of love. Please say this, everybody. All of you watching online, say this with me. My existence proves there is a God of love. We reflect and demonstrate His love. Now, by showering blessings of love upon us, God demonstrates to the world that He is a God of love. God pursues the lost world with love, bringing them into a relationship with Himself through love. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is God's love for us that has changed us, that has made us more like Himself. Without God's love in this world, man would become vicious, cruel, hating, liars, and murderers. God wants us to love Him as He loves us. And he wants us to love others as he loves us. We are part of the eternal family of love. God created you to love you and for you to so love him that you would worship him of your own free will. That is the very eternal purpose of your life. Now imagine you're standing before God in his throne room and you look up at him and you say, I love you with all my heart, with all my mind, and with all my strength. Can you say it? Yes or no? A pastor once asked that question to one of his members. The strangest look came over his face. He said, nobody has ever asked me that before. No, I could not describe my relationship with God that way. I could say I obey him, I serve him, I worship him, but I cannot say I love him that much. 
So it's obvious, therefore, that everything in that man's life was out of order because God's foundation purpose for that man's life was out of order. The foundation of our life's purpose is for us to love him with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength. And if that's out of order, then our whole life is out of order. God created us to live in a love relationship with himself. Luke 13, verse 34, Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I long to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. Now imagine this. God sends a prophet to go and minister and speak to the people in Jerusalem, and they actually throw stones at him and kill him. Can we imagine that? We can see the love of God revealed for us in the way he so freely forgave us. And he gave us eternal life. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from his love. He loves us no matter what. Now, what is the one thing God wants from you more than anything else? What is the one thing God is working in your life and dealing with you about to produce in your life? God wants you to love him with all your being as much as he loves you. What's your greatest achievement in life thus far? The greatest achievement you can ever achieve in this life is to know God's love for us. The greatest achievement you can achieve in this life is to know God's love for you. When we begin to live in that experience, we will feel totally fulfilled, totally fulfilled. There'll be no other longings or needs in our lives. However, there's nothing that God will keep from you. There's nothing that the Father will withhold from you because he loves you. This poem by Rhea F. Miller explains everything. 
I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands. I'd rather have Jesus than man's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. He is fairer than lilies of rarest bloom. He's sweeter than honey from out of the comb. He is all that my hungering spirit needs. I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead than to be the king of a vast domain or be held by in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Now think about those words, the words of that song. If you could only have one or the other in each of these following pairs or categories, which would you honestly choose? Listen with your heart. Number one, would you rather have Jesus or silver, gold, riches untold, houses and lands? Would you rather have Jesus than men's applause and worldwide fame? Would you rather have Jesus than to be the king of a vast domain? Now, let's not answer with words. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. Let's look back at how we spend the hours of our day and the hours of our night. They will tell us how much we love the Father. He loves you first. He wants you to love him first. God put us first. And he wants us to put him first. We know what sacrifices God made for us. What sacrifices are we willing to make for him to prove our love for Jesus? Are we prepared to put him first? What sacrifices are we prepared to make? We can talk about Jesus. That's one sacrifice we can make. Another is we can invite people to church to worship God, bring the lost to church. And number three, we can serve in the house of the Lord, serve the body of Christ in the house of the Lord. Number four, we can pay our tithes. These are all sacrifices we can make to prove our love for God, right? These are just a few. God doesn't want us to love the blessings he gives us more than we love him. Say that. God doesn't want me to love the blessings he gives me more than I love him. He wants us to love him first and praise him for the blessings he gives us. We are to praise him for those blessings, but to love him first. Matthew 22, 37. Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your mind. Revelation 1 verse 8, this is so powerful. This is after the Lord's resurrection, right? After his his death and burial and resurrection. Jesus, in Revelation 1 verse 8, says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. Who is, what's that? Who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Here the risen Christ says, I am the Almighty. That's who walked the earth in the human body. Deity, God, the creator of all things. The Son, who is equal with the Father. Let's skip down to verse 18. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. He got that from the devil after conquering him when he rose from the fires of hell. Took the keys, the authority that Adam gave to Satan. Now, the Lord Jesus is going to send a message via John, the apostle, to the church at Ephesus, because that's who he's talking to here. And this was one of the most dynamic, on-fire churches, a huge mega church in the early church history, pastored by Timothy, a man that Paul the apostle led to Jesus. Timothy is Paul's son in the faith. He's the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And this is what Jesus says to the church in Ephesus. This is incredible. Watch this. Revelation 2 verse 1. To the angel, to the messenger of the church, the person in charge of the church, there will be the pastor or Timothy if he was still a pastor at that time. To the person in charge of the church of Ephesus, write. Write this, John. Jesus says, I know your works, your labor. What's the word labor? That you work for me. I know your patience, that you are patient, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, that you don't tolerate sin in your church, and that you can't, cope with those who are evil in society, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and they are not apostles, and you have found them liars, and you have persevered, persevered, you don't give up, and have patience, he mentions that again, you are patient. And have labored for my name's sake. That means you're witnessing for me, doing what you can to spread the gospel, and have not become weary. You've not given up, you've not become weary. You're just out there doing what you can do 
for me. This sounds like a phenomenal church, and it is. It's a great church, an amazing church, thought about Paul the Apostle himself. Verse 4, nevertheless, I have this against you, Jesus says, against the church, that you have left your first love. You don't love me like you used to. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Love me like you used to. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent. I'll remove your lampstand? What does this mean? What does it mean when Jesus says, repent because you don't love me as much as you used to. If you don't, I will come quickly and remove your lampstand. What does that mean? It means to remove the anointing from your lives. To take the anointing away, the presence of the Lord, away from your lives. Don't do that, Lord. Please. Now watch this. That's what the condition was. Remember the five wise and the five foolish virgins in Matthew 25? They had no oil in the lamps. They had no anointing. They were virgins. They were washed in the blood, clean, saved, but they weren't anointed on fire. Maybe they didn't love Jesus, just like this church here. They didn't love him as much as they used to. But in other words, this whole church is about to become five foolish virgins. Join that group. When we worship God, let's pour out our heart in love. Let's put our heart into it. Let's clap. Let's raise our hands. Let's sing with our whole heart. Let's not just stand during praise and worship, and not participate. We can be doing everything right, but if we are not loving God in our hearts when we worship Him, then everything we do is in vain. Jesus, the Bible tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Read the first few verses. You can be the greatest faith person in the world, the greatest wise person in the world, but if you don't have love, it's like you're worth nothing. You're worth nothing. 1 Corinthians 13. Read it for yourself. So that's what Jesus is telling us here. Everything is in vain. Everything we do. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 15, verse 7. Hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They honor me in their worship with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That's what Jesus is saying. So how does God treat the worship of someone who has lost their first love, or how does it treat the worship of someone 
with unrepentant sin in their hearts. God sent Moses to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. We're going to find the answer to that question in this story. Exodus 4.23. God said to Pharaoh, I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. What happened to the children of Israel is a shadow of what we have in the New Testament today. Colossians 1.13 says, For God has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. The Old Testament shadow of Israel coming out of Egypt to worship God is fulfilled in the New Testament when we come out of Satan's kingdom and worship God. Jesus spent three days in the fires of hell. So we don't have to. Thank you, Lord. He paid the price for our sin. Thank you, Jesus. So we would not have to. So we could worship God instead. That's good enough reason to worship the Father for all eternity right there. The opposite is also true. Those who worship God will be delivered from all bondage. The children of Israel saw God pour out mighty plagues on Egypt and destroy the nation. Great miracles, signs and wonders set them free. They saw God open the mighty Red Sea. They walked through on dry ground and then they saw the sea close on their mighty Egyptian army and drown them all. Only 45 days had gone from the time they walked out of Egypt singing, dancing, playing tambourines. They came out of slavery. 45 days had passed after walking through the Red Sea and seeing all the miracles and the plagues and this is what happened 45 days later. Watch this. Exodus 16, verse 2. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate, Bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So here the children of Israel are complaining and wishing that they were dead in Egypt, longing for the meat and the bread that they ate during slavery. I can't believe it. The first problem they encountered along their journey, they longed to go back to Egypt. Christians who have lost their first love and experienced any minor problem in a church long to get out of the church. They want to go back into the world because they lost their first love. And they get upset easily, see? 
They want to go back to the pleasures of the world. We must be careful in these last days, child of God. Listen to what Jesus has to say about this in Matthew 24, verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We can't deny this. We see lawlessness abounding everywhere worldwide. I don't know of a single country in the world where we don't see a dramatic increase in crime, murder, theft, hijacking, lawlessness, breaking into stores, stealing the money. It's unbelievable. People getting beaten up in the streets for no reason. All over the world, not just in South Africa, everywhere. Lawlessness is abounding in the last days. And because lawlessness will abound in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. In other words, if our love grows cold, we're not going to be saved. If we stay on fire for Jesus, we will be raptured and saved. Jesus is warning us of this danger, warning us. And because lawlessness are bound, the love of many will grow cold. But he endures to the end shall be saved. Don't give up. Don't walk away. Don't grow cold and hard. Don't lose your first love. Because that's when you are in danger. It's very easy when that happens to stop reading your Bible, to stop praying, stop coming to church. If your love grows cold, that's what happens. We have so many responsibilities and distractions in our modern world. But we must not allow that to rob us of our eternity with God. Let's lift our hands and worship God. Let's fall in love with Jesus. We have been born into the great eternal family of love. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. God created you to love you. And for you to so love him that you'd worship him of your own free will. That is the very eternal purpose of your life. The Father loves his children the same. Every one of us, he loves each of us the same. John 17, 23. Jesus is praying to the Father and he says, I in them and you in me, Father, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and that you have loved them as you have loved me. In this particular portion of Scripture, Jesus is praying not only for those believers that will stay behind after his resurrection, but for us in all ages who believe in him. He's praying for us now. Then, he's praying for us today, back then in John 17, 23. And he says that you, Father, love every believer, every Christian, 
as much as you love me, as much as you love Jesus. And if that weren't true, he would not have given Jesus to buy us salvation. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David had confidence in God's love for him. That's why he wrote that. Now go to Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. There is no lack to those who fear God. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Said that when I seek God, again, when I seek God, I shall not lack any good thing. That's the promise of the Lord. Psalm 125, verse 1. Those who trust the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surround His people from this time forth forevermore. So the Lord surrounds His people from this time forevermore as the mountains surround Jerusalem. Say this, the Lord surrounds me to protect me and to love me and to meet my needs. Praise His holy name. Family, I'm going to ask you please to stand on your feet and we're going to pray a prayer of dedication. Let's do that together. Let's stand on our feet and pray a prayer of dedication. While we're praying this prayer, the worship team are coming up onto the platform. Say this with me. Dear Father God, let's try that again. Dear Father God, thank you for loving me, for paying the price for my sin, for setting me free from bondage so I can worship you setting me free from slavery in Satan's kingdom so I can worship you and from this day I commit myself to worship you with my whole heart my whole mind and my whole body I want to show you how much I love you and I'm going to be fully engaged in worshiping you from the heart, from today, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I invite everybody, please, to bow your heads. Whether you're still standing, that's fine. Whether you're sitting down, whatever, that's fine. Bow your heads. All of you watching at home or wherever you're watching from, please close your eyes and bow your heads and say this little prayer with me. 
Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross. Please forgive me, Lord Jesus, for all of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Come into my heart and save my life. I declare you are my Lord and Savior. And from today, I will live for you with all my heart and love you with all my heart. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me as a child of God. I am now part of God's family and I am bound for heaven. Praise God. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.